0: To Fraggle Talk, a tough pigs podcast where we dive deep through the fantastical, whimsical world of Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock. My name is Beth, and I am re watching for the millionth
1: time. My name is Julia, and I'm re watching after 10 years.
2: My name is Adam, and I am watching it for the first time. I'm not going to sing any more of that song, it's copyrights, <laughs> but for the first time.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Uh, This has been a labor of love for me to try to get this off the ground. Yeah, I did a a book review for uh, Fraggle Rock, the ultimate visual history book, which is gorgeous. And I'm definitely going to be using that a lot uh, to give background info and interesting tidbits. Uh, I'm wondering what to call it, because I'm going to be referring to it a lot and just calling it Fraggle Rock, the ultimate visual history or even just the ultimate visual history is a
1: very much a mouthful. I'm sure we can come V-V-H- up with like something Spider-Rock. shorter.
2: Furtov. fur Furtov.
0: I was thinking of calling it just the tome.
1: I no joke. Tome. I literally was going to just say you should call it the tome. So yes. I great minds think alike, Beth.
0: <laughs> um. So yeah, I wanted to get these people in particular together, partly because. Uh, Julia was the one who first introduced me to Tough Pigs, and I was, you know, kind of admiring her work from afar for a while. And then, since she was one of the only people I knew connected with <laughs> Tough Pigs, I wanted to reach out and go, "Hey, do you want to maybe work together?"
1: And for me, like I like I said in the intro, um, I've seen Fraggle Rock, but it's been almost ten years since my last watching of it, and it, it felt overdue for me to to re-explore it and a podcast seemed like a fun way to go about doing that nice totally uh,
2: and for me I grew up on the Muppets I have always loved the Muppets and I've always been one of the only people I knew who loved the Muppets uh, I've never seen Fraggle Rock but as I've mentioned I love all things Henson and my mom was a professional puppeteer for a while so oh wow I've what? got a little bit of an understanding of like behind the scenes puppetry stuff and some of the mechanics that go into that sort of a thing and some of the praxis and that's a delight that's awesome oh, that is so cool yeah, it's really rad.
0: Yeah, so actually, Adam, you and I didn't even know that each other were Muppet nerds for a while before we knew each other. We we have been friends for a solid couple of years now. Did I I think I made a
2: Facebook post I like put out a call for like Muppet friends because I really wanted to rewatch the original Muppet movie and you responded? Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah, we
0: knew each great. other through the local dance scene but didn't yeah. know each other super well it was just kind of like oh that's a person who seems cool and yeah. we have were
2: like oh you're the person i loaned my jacket to
0: right exactly and then you yeah. mentioned muppets and i went oh my god
2: and then i also went ah.
0: <laughs> so i'm wondering what either of you have either you know heard about the show as a whole of like how it came about um Very
2: do you know... little Very little.
1: And I've heard a fair amount, you know, writing for Tough Picks for like the last like decade or so and having watched it before. You know, it's there's things that have definitely left my mind. I'm sure as we go through, I'm going to rediscover and be surprised by things that I've totally forgotten. But, you know, I know a fair amount of like Jim Henson's conception of wanting to make a show that would bring about... World peace, as I'm sure we're gonna talk a lot about on this podcast. Um yep. and like the people behind the scenes and the makings of it. So Wait, So
2: that was his intent in making Fragworth. That Rock? was one That's, of his intents. Yes. Intent. Awesome. yes. <laughs> That's so cool.
0: Yeah, so one of the the great things that I found out through uh reading The Tome, so I'd always known that, you know, Jim Henson's goal was to make a show that would end war. Uh, Hmm. what I didn't know was, uh, this guy, Duncan Kenworthy, uh, who'd been working on Sesame street in the international department. Um, and then he was basically heading up the Arabic version of Sesame street that that experience gave him the idea of what if we made an international children's show that was designed from the very beginning to be international, So that for the puppet parts, you can dub it into any language. And then for the human segments, they can either be dubbed as well or customized Mm -hmm. to be like with different actors in each different country. I was
2: wondering why there was so little overlap. And I I didn't put it in my notes, but I was going to like, oh, there's there's just like a little bit of off here with the dubs. And that's not something I would expect from the Muppets. And it's, oh, that's because they're universalizing it. That's rad.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I think it ended up being dubbed into, I uh, forget how many languages, like maybe 13, 15, something in the teens. Um, And then I think only like four or five countries ended up like picking up the offer of recording their own Dock and Sprocket segments.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So there was maybe some lost potential there, but it was... Like an incredibly solid idea that no one had done before. So Jim and Duncan kind of had these separate
1: ideas and then it became this one idea.
2: That's awesome. Beth, That's do, really cool. Do
1: you know if like the recordings of those like docks and sprockets from other countries are like on YouTube or anything? Because I know I've seen photos hmm. of the different actors, but I've never actually I don't think I've ever seen any footage of the different ones. And I was just curious if you've ever, if right. you've ever seen it. Any. I don't think I've
0: seen like the full segments mm-hmm. i've seen little clips okay. in like documentaries and, and non-fiction pieces about fraggle rock like there was a, a defunct land episode on youtube oh. about fraggle rock and so i've seen little clips there they'll show a clip of the same song recorded in all the different languages it was really cute that's um, rad Awesome. Funny,
2: I've been learning Spanish. You're making me want to go find the uh, the version of this that was done in Spanish, so I can watch it and try to practice.
0: That's a great idea to like find out how much you yeah just understand.
2: Just understand how little I understand in Spanish. Yes, definitely. I this is my first time experiencing any Fraggle Rock contact content. The opening theme song slaps. The opening theme song is awesome. I absolutely loved it. With a bass line came in, I was like, ooh, yeah, heck yeah. Shouldn't swear. It was really, really good.
1: Uh, yeah, wow. hard agree. My first note in my notes is this theme song still slaps in all caps. It's it's just <laughs> so solid. <laughs> it's a jam. Um, it's timeless. I love that because the first sentence in my notes is
2: this theme song slaps in all caps. Good. I'm glad that we're <laughs> yeah. on the
1: same page. This is a very good sign. Um, <laughs> it's just it's timeless. It's it's such a jam that, I, yeah, I love it still so much to this day. Yeah,
0: Mm. they brought together this dream team of Dennis Lee writing the lyrics, Philip Balsam writing the music, and then uh, Don Gillis as the musical director. And yeah, we're going to get songs that are ridiculous, songs that are catchy and will stick in your head for weeks, songs that are incredibly poignant and are going to make you cry. Yeah, it's a journey.
1: You know, they need, they need a great theme song to really be able to draw the audience in and like then expose them to even more amazing music. And I think, yeah, I think this, the theme song encapsulates like a banger of a jam and also like does a really good job introducing us. Like, I guess not so much the actual music itself, but the theme in general, like does a great job introducing us to the world and all the different creatures that we're going to get to see as the show progresses. Yeah. I I
2: have it in my notes, the fact that they have like body puppets that get used to establish like a size discrepancy and let us know approximately how big these fraggles are in the world and what other sorts of characters and creatures they'll sort of like run into. And like the fact that there's some sort of animosity between like they you get a lot of detail in this about the world you're going to be watching stories in.
1: Totally, yeah. Yeah, you get to see the—I the, mean, you get to see Doc and Sprocket up top, and then you get to see the Fraggles, the Doozers, and the Gorgs, and yeah, like, all the size variations and, you know, kind of get an idea of the—yeah, the relationships between all the different creatures.
2: Um, can we talk about the Doc and Sprocket bit?
1: Yeah,
0: please.
2: Um, Sprocket as a puppet is so awesome. They—because— so the, the way that Sprocket is set up is you've got the the two paws and then the head. So that means that there's two people working that because three hands is not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that they were like, what what can we get this person to do with their fourth hand? Let's give them a tail to wag. Let's make this even more expressive. <laughs> and the the ears can go up like ah having that little switch in there. The, just the mechanization of making puppets expressive is one of the coolest things to me. And the fact that Sprocket can be so very expressive as a dog is... Very mechanically impressive.
0: Yep. There's even a point later in the episode where you can see Sprocket breathing and his chest rising and falling when he's asleep. Wow. It's so sweet.
2: That's super cool. So I gotta ask, Beth, if you grew up with this show, Mm -hmm. did you ever try to sew a button to a Friday?
0: Not as a kid, because that was not a line that I remembered. Nowadays... You bet I've considered it. I haven't actually tried it.
2: (laughs) Doesn't seem like it'd be that hard.
0: I could definitely see myself making one out of, like, felt, and then just wearing it as a patch that no one understands except the three of us.
2: (laughs) See, I I would want to take it a step further. I would just walk around with a fried egg pinned to my shirt for just a day and just (laughs) see what people did. Because what do you say to that? Miss Manners isn't going to
1: prepare you for that. True. Be an interesting <laughs> science experiment. What I love about
0: uh, Doc in this first scene is that, you know, he has that like, okay, today I finally decided to convert this old, deserted room into a workshop. And that is such a mood for like, I am going to start this new project that I've been meaning to start forever. I'm finally doing it. <laughs> I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. good for you, man.
2: And then immediately gets distracted about... The uh the thing in his diary it was great. At least I'm assuming. I just I just had a moment of panic, like th- that I watched the wrong episode for something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like wait, that, that is the right episode, right? The, the one with the where he's like talking about sewing a button into the.
0: Oh gosh! Wait, hold on.
2: Did I watch the wrong episode? Because this is gonna be.
0: Oh no! Did mad you mad watch mad.
1: the wrong episode? I don't remember I, that a, in this first season
0: one,
2: one episode one. Or at least it did when I Was found Was the it. episode oh, called The Beginning? No! Oh my god, I watched The Preachification of Convincing John. Oh my what? god!
1: <laughs> <laughs> welp. It took us 17 minutes of recording to realize <laughs>
2: uh, Welp... <laughs> So we're back, and I've seen the episode now.
1: <laughs> what a whirlwind.
2: <laughs> Have you—if you've ever had that moment of, like, like anxiety of, like, oh, God, I've, I've done the wrong thing, I've gone to the wrong address. Well, I lived it, and it turns out life goes on.
0: It's like that dream where you're back in school, and you didn't study for the test. <laughs>
1: Well, and here's the thing, like the fried egg thing was brought up and in my mind, as someone who hasn't watched that episode yet, because I'm going through in chronological order, I was like, what are we talking about? I don't remember this in the episode. Was I not paying attention? I I took notes. And I just went with it
0: because I remembered that moment. And I was like, oh yeah. And then it took me until after we stopped recording to realize, Oh yeah, that wasn't in the first. Well, episode. yeah, and like yeah, Beth, you were
1: like like talking about it as well, and I was like, okay, I must have just missed this. I don't, I don't know. So, <laughs> and then it got solved really quickly.
2: I, I can relate to that so heavily to something that I don't remember happening, and just be like, that probably happened, and I missed it. It's fine. Yeah, you, Beth, Beth, you were talking. I guess we can just dive into it, Beth. You were talking about like the the moment of like, oh, yes, I'm gonna finally get around to this project, and oh boy, right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I did if I if I can start a little bit about the intro, just like first impressions. Yeah. They're like Muppet Slapstick is always great. There and this this intro is just no exception to that. My my two favorite moments are uh, he goes, Don't worry, I'm gonna leave my books and maps with you for safekeeping, and then just drops them, just full-on drops them on the floor and they just clatter everywhere. Um, yep. And the bit where he's it's like, ah, oh, yes. Fraggles move with a dance like Grace, and then they just yeet a puppet from off camera, and it's just, <laughs> oh, it's beautiful.
0: That whole introduction of Traveling Matt <laughs> narrating, you, this is what Fraggles are, and this is what they're like, and saying they're, you know, the marvelous and the pinnacle of civilization, fearless, dignified, intellectual, while we see... You know, someone balancing a tomato on their nose, someone else, you know, sticking their tongue out. And it's such a brilliant juxtaposition because mm-hmm. a young audience is going to be able to immediately see the contrast between how we're supposed to see the fraggles and how they see themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We take
0: silliness very seriously. That's what we should. What yeah, about right. that is you can go
2: even deeper into it and be like, but yes, maybe that is what smart and elegant people do is they decide to just be as goofy and weird as they feel like.
0: Right? They start podcasts taking deep dives <laughs> into shows that have been off the air for oh god.
2: They take ex- extensive notes on the possible ecosystemic applications of weird bits of that show. Bingo. We'll get to that in a bit though. Uh Julia, I wanted to ask what parts of this did you remember when you were watching it? And you were like, ah, yeah, I remember that bit. And what parts of it were you like, when did that happen? I don't remember that.
1: I mean, okay, so full disclosure, I watched this episode a couple months ago back when um, we started kind of talking about getting this podcast off the ground. So in this watching, I remembered a lot of it. Although I will say that I did not remember the line about the books and maps then him dropping it on the ground. And I did Write in my notes about um, How it's very funny And then there's some profanity in in my notes That I won't repeat But um, yeah, in in watching it When I first revisited it a couple months ago um, You know, I remember Things here and there I did remember the intro of the Fraggles And like his narration and kind of us seeing like them be be silly and a lot of physical comedy and then like the slow as we'll go through this episode talking about it the introduction of all the characters who are going to end up being kind of the pinnacles of this show but you know there were there a couple of the songs i didn't remember um as we kind of already alluded to there's like so much music it throughout all of fraggle rock um and it was really just um the theme song and follow me which i could i'm sure we'll talk about but that's one of my favorite songs from this entire show um and so i'm very familiar with that and um also like, uncle um is it traveling uncle matt or it's uncle traveling matt uncle traveling i matt. never get the order right um him going out into the world for the first time those segments always like make me make me so happy um just like getting to see him interact with with humans and a fire hydrant in this episode and he like calls it a person and it's um a very
2: unfriendly person too. yes
1: yeah and like all the silly creatures and everything so yeah there's this episode i feel like i definitely remembered a bit more about um it's going to be kind of the episodes as we go along that i'm going to be like oh i forgot about this one or that one so i'm i'm excited but um yeah it was really yeah. nice to get to be reminded about everything in this episode yeah nice
2: can I talk? Can I talk a little bit about the sets, just from a puppeteering standpoint? Oh,
1: absolutely! Please do.
2: Um, they, oh my god, the sets are incredibly meticulous and incredibly organic. The um, the chill space that has all those little nooks where people can hang out, which is like sounds great and looks like it would be a really fun place to hang out, and just also happens to give puppeteers a lot of beneath stage places where they can control the puppets for. Yep. And then I was looking at the the, the really big set, and there's like. Two different levels, two different layers of foreground, two different layers of midground, and then a whole background layer behind that. There's there there have got to be so many people under that, and it's they their use of three dimensional space to really fill out just the entirety of the 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 screen is brilliantly done.
0: So you want to hear something fascinating about the set that I just learned through reading the book? Yes, the entirety was filmed and edited and music recorded, all of it done, in one old Victorian house in Toronto. Really? Wow. Yup. Like- They did not have, like, a separate soundstage, a separate
1: place, you know, editing bay, all in one old house. All of the entire show- is that even in, as including the ours I've seen so far? Even, yeah, even including like the Gorgs' palace in their their area.
0: Uh, presumably, yeah. My Whoa. guess is that a lot of that was uh, done with a, a blue screen or a green screen. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. a lot
1: of sense. That's that's so bonkers and awesome. I just assumed it was like some kind of like studio or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Cool. Yeah, there's definitely they a lot did... of green screen work.
1: Yeah, I I made a note about, like, how, like, for the time that they're doing it, the green screen work is, like, really great, I thought. It's
2: really smooth. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, that's another uh, great in-joke, is that there was a uh, specific uh, filming technique with use of a blue screen that at the time was called a traveling mat. (laughs) And actually, a gobo is... Like a thing that you put over a light. This I knew. To, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. Theater school. It's uh, the see,
1: I, I,
2: was, I was. I was on the stage. I was never a techie, although I have a deep respect for techie's.
1: Same. Um, I did. Yeah, I. I have a theater degree, and this is my big takeaway from that theater degree: is I know what a gobo is. That's
2: fair. <laughs> I mean, I have an engineering degree, and I'm on a Fraggle Rock podcast, so I have I have no stones to throw.
1: We're all we're all there.
2: Yep. Millennials. I went
1: to uh, baking
2: and
0: pastry school. Wait, really?
1: That's awesome. Yup. Nope.
0: I did not know that about you. <laughs> I didn't really either. Cool. Well, yeah, you wouldn't because I never used it.
1: I mean, you're not a true millennial if you don't have a degree that you've gone on to, like, never touch in your actual adulthood. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's it's a rite of passage. Anyways. Um, anyway,
1: Fraggles. Fraggles! Fraggles!
2: Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on that I just love, and it seems like a really small detail, but it's huge. The... The song that Uncle Traveling Matt and Gobo sing together, which A, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous song. They've got like high country harmonies. They're they're sort of all over the place stylistically, which which from a musical standpoint, I really appreciate. But there's a bit in the middle of the song where he clears his throat. And that, that seems so small, but it's such a human detail that that's a choice. Someone had to put that in there so that it would be there. And it's just this great little organic thing that makes it seem that much more realistic.
1: Yeah. There yeah, I feel like I mean anything kind of like Muppety or Henson-y, there's a lot of like little moments like that that you can find that are so easy to look over, but knowing like the performers and the people behind the scenes, it's it yeah, it is all like just intentional and mm-hmm. magical in a sense. Um yeah, I love the song Follow Me. I I traveled abroad after college for a year and like that song I listened to like on repeat. It so, like, it holds, like, a really special place in my heart. And it's, like, I, I have a Muppet and a Sesame Street tattoo. And that's, like, this, eventually I'm going to get a Rock tattoo. And maybe this podcast yes! will finally be the, the tipping point of me getting it. But I want to get um, some lyrics from that song. It's just beautiful. And, like, also Jerry Nelson and Dave Goal's, like, harmonizing together is great. Right. I mean, Jerry Nelson singing anything is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear all of the songs he's going to sing throughout the show.
2: I'm so excited for the music in general. Also, that's awesome. Beth, I wanted to ask, what moments of this are, like, given that you've seen this half a million times or so, what moments are you always, like, really excited to get to see again from this episode?
0: Um, One of them we will uh see a bit later. Um, It's Boober's... Uh, what, honestly, any line from Boober is just a perfect one-liner. Chef's kiss. Um, Great. He always has, like... <laughs> At least two thirds of my favorite quotes in any given episode, um, but the the hideous round thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs>
0: um, I I love Boober's uh, book of superstitions, and I want it. And from a more meta standpoint, rewatching this, I started really looking into uh, tracking the interspecies relationships over time, because I know where they're going to end up. And so uh, taking note of where they are from the very beginning. And then I even learned uh, more in the book about how it was originally pitched as something different. So we we see in this first episode uh, the different relationships between the Fraggles and Dock and Sprocket, the Fraggles and the Doozers, and the Fraggles and the Gorgs. Mm-hmm. And the, the fraggles and the doozers uh, we see a little bit later on mostly just ignore each other. Like, you can tell that there's a bit of a symbiotic relationship going on because the fraggles eat the doozer constructions and the doozers are happy about that. Uh, and then uh, we see later that when the fraggles go into the gorg's garden that that's a more antagonistic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, that the fraggles are seen as pests and the gorgs are these big dangerous things. And when I was reading through the book, it was originally going to be the other way around, that the fraggles towards the doozers had a more antagonistic relationship, and the doozers would run away from the fraggles. Hmm. And then the gorgs were seen as more like friendly and harmless, and then, oh, I captured one to take home as a pet. Whoa. Um, yeah. So it's really fascinating to me to see how that was just completely flipped by the time the the real show came around that's so interesting
1: yeah it does make sense because i feel like you want the fraggles to be you know you want your audience to like the fraggles and if they're you know antagonizing the doozers and being mean to them or anything or like yeah chasing them or whatever maybe that makes them seem a little less cuddly and um and likable and then also if you have them you know you're rooting for them against the gorgs as well if if they're you know switched into that role that's really interesting. I didn't know that.
2: It makes sense from a narrative standpoint, wanting there to, you know, you can contrast it against the the creatures that have significantly more power being the mm-hmm. ones that are antagonistic, and that means that you get to see the Fraggles, again, misusing the power that they have over the Doozers, but they're not do- necessarily doing it maliciously, which is a thing that is much more relatable, I think, if you're a kid watching it, and also if you're an author wanting to help kids understand world peace.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah.
2: So, okay, the Doozers... Are they, to make, do we we ever, and you don't have to give me any more than this, but do we ever find out any more specifics about their building materials?
1: Yes. Cool.
2: Here's my theory. Don't confirm it or, or do if you want to. Great. My theory is that the Doozers are smelting down some essential nutrient or essential mineral that the Fraggles need as a part of their diet to survive, and that the reason that they are doing this is because it helps them manage their own population control and space because they are reliant on— and this is the bit where it gets a little fuzzy, but the, the fraggles are reliant upon the doozers to smelt this nutrient and get it into a much more concentrated form whereas the Doozers are reliant upon the Fraggles to scare away any other particularly large predators that might see the Doozers as food.
1: You put so much thought into, like, this, what, like, two-minute segment of this episode. Why else would they eat <laughs> the buildings? It's just, it's, <laughs> I, I just... I mean, without any spoilers, I think that, Beth, you you would know. We're, we're gonna find out more about, like, the Doozer constructions, like... Within this yep. first season, right? Like,
0: I don't remember maybe, maybe when not. we find
1: out like what they're made of and how they're made. L- and it can't be later than season two, right? Like, we because th- there are certain like dozer. There is a dozer char- like character that is going to eventually become important. Down the well, line, yes. but maybe that, maybe that isn't until further. I and here's the thing: it's been ten years, so I don't know. <laughs>
0: hmm. But these yeah, these... and I remember the individual episodes, but I cannot for the life of me R- recall
1: where in the series they. That's fall. fair. So answers will be given. Just who knows how long it will take for us to get to those answers?
2: All good. I'm just gonna keep my notes ready.
1: I mean, but this is no. I I love these. This is like Deep this is so great. Theories. Like please keep bringing theories to the podcast um on like what you think is going to happen through the progression of this show.
2: Thank you. This is I was going to do that anyways, but I'm glad it's going over well. <laughs> this is how I absorb media ever since I started watching Adventure Time.
0: Excellent. Oh yeah. Uh
2: the other thing that I wanted to say about the Dozer puppets is just if you'll if so that was a deep ecological dive if i may now get into a deep philosophical dive ooh so the fascinating thing about the teaser puppets is that the thing that is moving them predominantly is the machines that they're using from a mechanical standpoint that's where the actual like the motors are and like there are some of them that have the little wind-up legs but whenever you see them working it's the machine that is actually working the, the machine that they're on has the motor. That's the one that's being, you know, controlled. And just the idea that it is projecting the image of a doozer that is moving a machine when the reality is the machine that is moving the doozer puppet is just so hashtag deep.
0: <laughs> we will definitely, I think probably when we get a doozer centric episode, we'll do more of a deep dive on how all of the remote control mechanics worked and the genius of faz fazakas who made it all happen
2: mr fazakas i appreciate the heck out of you sir (laughs) that is not a lot of margin for error those are some skinny little walkways
0: oh and also the other uh name of uh, uh people we need to thank for the existence of this show so we talked a bit about uh duncan kenworthy uh michael k frith yes was the conceptual artist this book is jam-packed with frith sketches, and it just delights my heart to no end. I would love to um, see those next so, time
2: I'm up in your neck of the woods.
0: Yeah, every time you see like a particularly you know, beautiful uh, cave and the weird little mosses growing on it and the weird little creatures in the
1: background, that is all frith. Yeah.
2: Heck yeah. What happens next in the episode? What, what have we gotten to at this point?
1: Probably at this point, it's Gobo going to go visit the trash heap
2: yes um oh my god that was amazing
1: yeah yeah that's marjorie the trash heap and her oh my gosh i didn't write down their names who are her two little companions beth they're like fungo and gorp <laughs> that's not right <laughs> That's not- no but i wanted to let you struggle with <laughs> it that was perfect what are their names uh,
0: their names are Philo and Gunge. I got the you first letters right. You were really close. <laughs> you were
2: really close. And the number of syllables.
0: Uh, so, a easy mnemonic for remembering who is who. Uh, so, Philo is spelled P-H-I-L-O. And Philo and Pink both start with a P, mm-hmm. and Gunge and Gray both start with a G. Cool. Hmm.
1: Cool. I mean, I know that they're both played by Dave and, and Richard, but... Yeah, I couldn't remember the names or which one was which. So, okay, I that'll be my endeavor for the rest of this podcast. It
0: it's rarely going to be relevant which one is which. <laughs> sure, cuz they're
1: they're always together and they're always with the trash heap. So, it it doesn't matter. I don't think it, there's ever a plot point where you need to tell them apart, but, you know. There is actually. Oh, is there's there's a, There you go. There's
0: an episode uh later on that deals with like more heavily with one of them than the other Ooh, and oh, it's wow. really fascinating. I stand well, that's
1: okay. Well, I look forward to that then. Um. I also can I just say I love
2: what an oddly supportive relationship they have like I wish I could just have two little rats follow me around and whenever I make a declaration just be like the
0: trash heap has spoken (laughs) right we all need hype men
2: Mm -hmm. I want I see that's the thing I don't want hype men I want hype rats
1: hype rats (laughs) and then like they'll intro you and you'll just break out into like a a song (laughs) oh
2: yeah an amazing blues song that Mm -hmm. absolutely slaps holy mackerel yeah
0: Oh, so, okay, I have to find this quote. So at first glance, the idea of an omnipotent trash heap being the oracle for the civilization is absurd and hilarious, and it's great to just have it at that level. Mm -hmm. And then I read this quote, uh, once again, this is uh, Michael K. Frith. When archaeologists look into an ancient civilization, they don't go to the castle, they go to the dump. It's where you really find out how people lived. So I've always loved the idea of a dump as being a great repository of knowledge. And a living dump could
1: then impart that knowledge to you.
2: That's so cool. Right? Oh,
1: wow. That's a lot deeper than I than I thought for that character. <laughs> yeah, no idea. I did write down a note that, like, Marjorie is made up of primarily, like, leaves and, like, the remains of fruits and vegetables. So it it's not going to happen, but it would be funny that if she just composted herself as the show went along, like, just broke down and compost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Marjorie's got, like, some great songs as the show progresses, and, you know, she's always there to dole out wisdom to the Fraggles. That's-
2: Are they always that, like, bluesy? Because that was amazing.
1: One of
0: the things that we'll see throughout the Fraggle Rock songs is that you get almost every genre of music you can think of. We're going to get rockabilly. We're going to get... Um,
2: Gregorian Chants? Calypso. Chance? Wait, what'd you say? Gregorian Chants?
0: Oh, I don't know if we get Gregorian
2: Chants. but we not pass them. It's the Henson people. <laughs> That's rad. You know, I really, I really want to hear a cover of that with like a really husky female blues vocalist. I think that would be amazing. I would totally dance to that.
0: I know of a cover with... Um, what I'm guessing is a male vocalist.
2: I'll um, accept that, but watch yourself, McCoy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a whole, uh, album of, uh, Fraggle Rock cover songs by Ooh, different artists and bands, and it's delightful. Nice. I will send you the link to that. Please do. And, hey, we might even drop that in the show notes.
2: Excellent.
1: Heck yes.
2: I feel like, I feel like an all-official podcast saying we're gonna put a link for something in our show notes. Um, I did love the message that like, yeah, uh, from the song that uh, the trash sheep was singing that like every dream will come with troubles and pain that that is not a thing that you see a lot in children's. media. Yeah. a lot of times the troubles and the pain just sort of get hand waved by a, a montage. And the idea that like, no, everything you want to do is going to have some rough stuff to it that sucks.
0: Mm hmm. Or that the troubles it. and pain are standing in the way of the
1: thing that you want. Mm hmm. Yeah. Rather than part of the process. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's, yeah, often with, like, media for children, you're told, like, you know, once you get around the troubles, like, everything is great, Um, as opposed to this, which is so much more true that, like, you know, it's gonna always be there, you know.
2: As a millennial, I can tell you, once you get around <laughs> the troubles, there are bigger troubles. There are
1: more troubles. <laughs> They're relentless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the song had a nice message, and then, you know, afterward, when, when Gobo is, is giving him his troubles... Her advice is basically like, oh, you're you feel alone and you don't know what to do. Go get your friends, man. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's it's so straightforward, but I feel like it's it's very true, especially I feel like, you know, to date us, we are currently living through a global pandemic and it's really easy to feel alone these days. And it's such a simple thing to be like, oh, yeah, if I feel alone, I should just call a friend you know, or what a oh,
2: concept, I- right?
1: Yeah. Or, oh, I gotta go do this thing that I, I'm like nervous about doing. I could just talk to a friend and maybe they'll help me out. It's, it's like a very simple concept, but it's, it's also just very true. And I think it's a really easy thing to like just kind of sidestep sometimes. And it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a nice thing to, to be reminded of.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And Goabo especially is one of those characters that's, gonna try and do things on his own and not ask for help Mm -hmm. like that's gonna be his default mode and he's got to be reminded occasionally like hey you have this uh supporting cast for a reason
2: (laughs) gobo gobo me too buddy me too (laughs) oof
1: yeah i also
2: i love the other piece of advice that she gave him that i put she her for the trash heap right
1: Yes, cool. Marjorie, yeah.
2: Which is interesting, because I like I like the idea of, like, the, the sort of Mother Earth figure. There's sort of the idea of, like, a Mother Death figure. And I like the idea that there's sort of a Mother Refuse figure.
1: Mm. That is,
2: that is... Uh, but anyways, the other piece of advice is he's like, there's this monster. And she's like, you just came through a gourd garden to get here, my dude. What are you scared of? Yeah. The idea that, like, yes, you might be scared, but you already do something similar to this, like it's nothing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also wrote that down in my notes. Um
0: Yeah, so after that we move on to uh Gobo takes her advice and talks about his uh fears to his his friends. And uh the notes I wrote down for that are one, uh Uncle Matt really should have established exactly what every few days means. Very vague.
1: <laughs> oh, I also uh, I also wrote a note like how does Uncle Traveling Matt know how he doesn't know anything about outer space, but he knows how the postal system works and how to get his hand on postcards and like get a stamp on with an address.
0: Look,
2: post
1: office workers are
2: really helpful and they won't judge you, okay that's
1: that's fair. Maybe there's a cutscene where he's talking to a, a postal carrier and they're telling him how to how to do all of it.
2: If there's Uh, any government agency that I would trust to just explain a mail system to a small furry alien, it's the Postal Service.
1: (laughs) Legit, that's true. So one thing
0: that I've noticed is that uh, when Traveling Matt is out in outer space, which is our world, his interactions with the silly creatures, which are humans... Sometimes they can see him, and sometimes they cannot.
1: Yeah, I noticed that in this episode, like the car, like that almost hit him, honked at him, but then like the group of kids walking by did not notice him at all.
2: I mean, he did mm-hmm. sort of hide.
1: That's true, sort of. And they were like kind of chatting, so I guess he was just out of their periphery. But yeah, it's going to be interesting
0: to kind of track, you know, what those moments are of like when he has like an actual interaction with a silly creature, and when they're just kind of not seeing the presence of this strange little creature in their world. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, can I actually, can I jump back for just a quick second that I, I there's there's this really interesting bit with, um, what's the, the pink one's name again? The helpful pink uh, one? Moki. Moki. This bit with Moki where he's like, I don't know what to do. And he says something, and I don't remember exactly what it was he said, but she responds with, don't worry. Oh, he says, I don't want to talk about it. And she says, don't worry, we'll leave you alone. No one will talk to you about anything of this at all. And he goes, wow, when you're wrong, you're wrong. And I just, I love that they're already establishing that she means well, but doesn't actually take the time to stop and understand things.
1: Yup. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we're going to see more of that.
2: Uh, I, spoilers. I watched <laughs> spoilers. an episode later in the season and there's, it's a whole thing about that. Yup. <laughs> Solid. And then, so uh, he gets together with his friends and then they see the horrible red thing. Gasp.
0: So I, I did make a note about uh, of the things that uh, Doc is unpacking from this box, like he's setting up the workshop. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. like, you know, some normal things like, oh, a, a telescope. OK, that I guess that makes sense for a, a tinkerer scientist guy to have. But a pineapple?
2: Yeah, there was just a pineapple. And it's not that it was there. He takes it out of the box, mm-hmm. which means it was in the box with the telescope
1: why (laughs) snack he's prepared for having like a snack time next time he's in the workshop just cutting a whole pineapple
2: what a hardcore man (laughs) just just a loose pineapple not skinned not just nope take a bite out of that like an apple wow (laughs) doc just went from like a two to like an eight on the terrifying scale (laughs) What you don't see is on the other side of the table, there's just a bunch of bite marks from when he'd forgotten his pineapple but still needed to snack, and so he just consumed the wood of the table.
1: We're gonna, (laughs) you know, we're gonna have to keep track of Doc as the show progresses. See if there's any more clues to, like, his life outside of the workshop. (laughs) Outside Definitely. of pineapples.
2: Also, every time he talks about the workshop, I've been playing a lot of Bloodborne, and so that's all I can think of, and it's a really weird mashup. It doesn't not work, but ooh, it's a weird mashup.
0: Unfortunately, I don't get that reference.
2: Uh, it's a... I'll explain it off camera. It's super... It's We're already doing a niche podcast, I don't need to go for the even nicher intersection therein.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Although... Speaking about weird intersections that you wouldn't think exist, uh, one of my goals is to get as guests on our podcast uh, the guys who did Fraggle Shrugged,
2: Yes. Oh my goodness! Can oh, you yeah. talk a little bit about that, just the listeners? Yeah. Can hear so it because that. Oh my goodness! I'm so glad that exists.
0: In in leading up to this podcast, I was like, well, surely this has been done before. Someone must have done at you know episode per episode, uh, podcast of Fraggle Rock because it's the internet. Everything already exists. Um and yes and no. So they've got a lot of you know one off episodes of a bunch of podcasts out there, usually about. Uh, you know, retro stuff or, you know, stuff we remember from the 80s, Um, but there was one podcast called Fraggle Shrugged, wherein these two Danish guys will watch an episode of Fraggle Rock and then read a chapter of Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand (laughs) and talk about the ways in which they're similar and different, and it is hilarious and at times horrifying and delightful and yeah uh highly and recommend
2: just to be clear for anyone who's listening they're not pro an rand in this they're not
0: right they're, they're not thank like, you for that oh, yes, this yeah.
2: wonderful show that would be an entirely like different wonderful show book that'd be a very different show and i don't think i'd want to talk to those people i, I kind of would but for different reasons yeah <laughs> i actually i my notes stop at the pineapple because i was just i had so many questions <laughs>
0: So I had a note about, um, once again, kind of tracking the the cross-species relationship. When Traveling Matt and Gobo first encounter Doc and Sprocket, they're immediately like kind of suspicious and wary and Sprocket's barking. So they think that he's this, you know, ferocious, aggressive creature. And so when uh, Gobo comes back and actually encounters Sprocket face to face, Sprocket does kind of like grab at him but i don't think he's trying to hurt him i think it's more of a like he's trying to get doc's attention like mm. ah there's a strange thing here come look at the strange thing so i, I can it. show this to you
2: yeah i mean we could we could do a whole thing about how this show is so full of just sprockets bids for doc's attention and doc rejecting sprockets bids oof
1: yeah too busy unpacking Sorry, pineapples
2: downer there but (laughs) yeah you're not wrong though oh you don't tell your dog to go play with himself that's no sir that's
1: yeah that's not how owning a dog works you gotta give it attention ownership yeah um i mean i love i love sprocket um i'm sure it'll come up throughout this podcast but my like day job is i work with dogs and just all like the manner mannerisms of sprocket and like obviously he is a lot more sentient than an actual dog (laughs) He doesn't speak, but he, obviously he understands everything that's being said. And he is con- conscious of, like, the fraggles are something that he needs to show Doc because they're not of this world. Um, But, yeah, like, just little, the little things about him and the movements. Like, they really, like, kind of, like, we talked about, like, even, like, the breathing and whatnot. Like, they, I don't know. I feel like they did their, their research on the movements of a dog. And I love Sprocket. He's so cute. And he's i don't I, we'll get more into it but his like growing relationship with doc but also eventually maybe with the fraggles is something that um is really nice anyway
2: yeah i i also have a note in there about cuz i i had that note about his body language but then it turns out that doesn't come up in this episode uh but in this episode you get to see them moving him around so you get to see that there's like a hand for his torso and a hand mm-hmm. for his rear and the just the the way that they got that like doggy sort of bounce and jounce
1: totally yeah
2: absolutely spot on
1: and he just wants his ball back also, you know? Right.
2: The, Give the, Sprocket his ball. When
1: he has, like, latched on to Gobo and everyone's like, oh, let's, they, like, toss his his red ball out of the hole. Then he's immediately like, oh, this is now more important. And he just goes and chases after the ball. That's, like, so on point for dogs. Like, they could be doing mm-hmm. something that to them at the moment is really important. But then the second a ball is thrown, they're like, yeah, bye, I gotta go get this ball.
2: Yep. Priorities. Dogs are like children. The easiest redirect method is distraction.
1: Yes, a hundred percent.
2: Yeah, that I also I love the uh, what is it the the fragment with the hat is like
1: throw boober the
2: wh- uh, boober 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 is like throw the horrible red thing and everyone else goes no <laughs> like establishing that there is some internal conflict even in moments of emergency is a nice little character detail there that I really appreciated.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love boober. You've you've already mentioned Beth like that. He's got so many great lines, boober. And I also love Wembley. We like didn't get much Wembley in this episode, but I think Wembley is probably my favorite character. Is the next episode a Wembley episode? Am I making that up? I don't remember. We'll find out. We'll find out when we record next time. Tune in next
2: time to see if the next episode is a Wembley episode.
1: There you go. I think it might be, but also I could be wrong. I think it is. Yeah. But yeah, I don't have too many other notes either. The last note that I have is this episode ends with Doc... Being like, oh, that ugly hole is still here. Well, don't worry. I'll board it up one of these days. And it's like, no, dude, because there wouldn't be a show Da-da-da. if you did it. We have to like we, we have to see like Gobo and his uncle communicate about outer space. And so it's very clear that you're not actually going to he got onto his one project of like fixing up this workshop and then has now moved on to not doing the project of patching up the hole in his wall.
2: So what you're telling me is that the entire narrative mechanics of this show hinges on one man's executive dysfunction? Basically. Sounds about
0: right. (laughs) And you will see how uh, his actually getting stuff done around the workshop every once in a while affects those in Fraggle Rock. Oh, yeah.
2: What an interesting metaphor. (laughs) What if all of the shifts in our culture are just God tidying house?
1: (laughs) Oof. oof doc as a metaphor for god
2: it's like oh god we've got these strange weather patterns and climate change and god's up there like i sewed a button to a friday
0: <laughs> and that's how we got the platypus
2: yep <laughs> you know when when uh european explorers first found the platypus they legitimately like s- like shaved it and searched it for stitch marks because they were yeah, so certain heard that it had it was like created Ugh. do we want to do we want to get to the outro then if there's anything else you um, wanna, yeah,
0: any other uh, final notes people wanna throw out?
1: I think I hit all my big, big notes. Um, my, uh, my only other note that I had was like just like one little moment where Gogo has to run across the to avoid the gorgs, and he says, "I'll have to sneak through a gorg's garden without a gorg seeing me," and then immediately Junior sees him, like no hesitation, like he does yeah. such a bad job sneaking. That's my only note. I was... <laughs> oh, I also. <laughs>
2: My favorite thing about that moment is he turns to the camera and goes,
1: sometimes it works. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, that's it for me. That's, that's my last note. I, uh,
2: I have one other note, um, which is that Mookie's wearing a necklace, mm-hmm. which again, if it's there, it's a choice. And I'm I just I, I'm wondering if that is going to be plot relevant later or if that's just sort of a decoration character detail.
0: I don't think that particular item becomes plot relevant.
2: Cool. Good to know.
1: I also have the other observation, like in the intro, where the Fraggles are, are singing their like their group song about dance and sing all day, and we see kind of the entire Fraggle clan. Um, some of them, like the main characters, wear clothes. A lot of the Fraggles don't wear clothes. Is this mm-hmm. is this ever addressed in the future episode? I, I, you know, I don't think okay. it is. Okay, I was just, I, yeah, I, I'm i sure it's probably so not important, but I was like, is that like a point of contention that some of them are just running around free from Wargrove? I wardrobe? mean, I can
2: see some quote unquote children's television activist groups on Facebook or what have you, getting <laughs> very, fa- very irritated about that. Although
1: Facebook wasn't around in the 80s, thankfully.
2: <laughs> Thank Christ.
1: But yeah. <gasps> They're all Winnie the Poohing. I kind of, I kind of assumed that like- <laughs> Full Pooh Bear. That like the clothing was more just like to add flair and like obviously all the main characters wear some form of apparel, but there were yeah, there were several during the song that just weren't wearing anything, and I was like, is this important or am I reading too much into this? Probably I think it's
0: mostly for establishing characters. Yes. That if a character is gonna be notable, they will have a distinguishing item of clothing. Sure. And if not, they're just kind of there in the background right. so you
2: telling mob. me if I want people to stop paying attention to me I need to take my clothes off and hang out in the background precisely absolutely solid all right <laughs> so we're gonna wrap up here I'm heading out to Denny's and this will be a good night
0: <laughs> oh. um, yeah the only other note I had was in uh Traveling Matt's segment, what will come to be known as like the postcard segment when he sends back to Gobo. And he says, so far, I've been attacked by a large beast, run into an unfriendly yellow fellow, and escaped from an army carrying deadly weapons. If I put this in a message to Gobo, he'll never believe it. I'll just say I'm fine. Which- And I just mm-hmm. found that so relatable. It's-, it's Like, stuff is happening, and it's scary, but- I'm going to tell the people back home that everything's fine because I don't want them to worry. I don't want you to worry.
1: It's incredibly relatable, but also he's supposed to be documenting everything that happens to him, and already he's just, like, fudging the the truth, and he's just like, oh, I'm fine. Nothing to report.
2: Yeah. From an emotional standpoint, I empathize, but as a scientist, I'm offended.
0: (laughs) Maybe cuz we do see him writing in a notebook so I'm hoping that he's like recording true his actual impressions in the notebook and then just
1: editorializing in the in the, post-card. in the postcards yeah. maybe That's a good point Hopefully.
2: That makes sense. He's doing his due diligence. For the sake of science. (laughs) Cool. Uh, And then the closing segments were takeaways and then how to make the world a little bit fraggler. Yeah. Fraggler. Is that my, am I conjugating that properly?
0: Fraggler.
1: Fragglier. Fragglier. Fragglier.
2: Ooh, I like fragglier.
1: Fragglier. I mean, takeaways from the episode. I I wrote down like the the major overarching themes for this one were like, the power, the power of friendship, dealing with like changes and then overcoming new challenges seem to kind of be like the main focuses that that we were getting in this
2: one. Oh, that's really interesting, because the theme that I got was like a lot more of sort of
0: unintentional interconnectedness. I mean, honestly, that's the theme of the entire series. Oh,
1: totally, yeah. Yeah. Cool. We're we're gonna see a lot of that. Um Yeah, and like, yeah, I guess just like the overall takeaway. I feel like a lot of the takeaways just kind of come from marjorie often but like you know just reaching out to your friends when you really when you need when you need the help
2: yeah
0: for me the biggest takeaway is um that wonderful contrast of uh seriousness and silliness that uh yeah be be unashamed of the silliness that you carry and uh learn how important it is
1: Hmm. Mm Hmm
2: cool
0: that's nice yeah
2: (laughs) how would each of you make the world a little fragglier uh
0: i uh i mean to me those were the the kind of the same question
2: oh i thought we were going to give like specific little fraggly advice because i i've been sitting on mine but i was going to do the funny one what's
1: yours (laughs) oh go for it
2: oh take off your clothes hang out in the background and eat a pineapple (laughs) it's an apple
0: (laughs) oh well now we have to give one of those, you know, disclaimers of like, don't listen to our advice. <laughs> I
2: See, I feel like if we even try to do that, the McElroy's lawyers are going to call us and it's not going to go well. <laughs> yep. Don't listen to us. This is not good advice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even trust me if you asked me which episode of Fraggle Rock to start with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness.
0: <laughs> so that is it for our first episode. Thanks to everyone for joining us in my special interest info dump. I mean for Fraggle talk <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for presented that. by toughpigs.com don't forget to go check out Tough Pigs. it's great follow them on pretty much all social media platforms uh, we would just be so tickled pink if you would give us a good review and rate us five stars on wherever you're getting your podcasts uh, Julia just rate where us can five our
2: stars on like the underpass near your house just get some like spray paint take off your clothes get a pineapple and just put five stars fraggle talk (laughs) perfect no other context just that (laughs) no context no notes no context ship it julia
1: where can people find me um i write for tough pigs occasionally and then um you can follow me at geek girl grown up on instagram and twitter i post pictures of dogs and i write some poetry. That goes out in the world.
2: Right. Excellent. Don't look for me on social media. <laughs> I don't want you to. I do not exist and cannot be perceived.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, you can uh, find me on social media at Beth Anna Cook. That's Anna with two N's, like the Disney princess. And uh, I also have my blog of uh, Muppet songs. Our melody, uh, which you will find out later, comes from a Fraggle Rock song. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm not surprised.
0: No. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us, everybody. Uh, make sure to tell anyone that you think would be interested that this podcast exists. Uh, interact with us on social media so we can get the word out. And tune in again next time.
2: Looking forward to seeing Bye. you there. Bye. Till then, dance your cares away.
0: Aw. Nice. Fraggle Talk Classic is brought to you by ToughPigs.com. Fraggle Talk Art by Dave Hultine Jr. The Fraggle Rock mark and logo, characters, and elements are trademarks of the Jim Henson Company. All rights reserved. The Fraggle Rock theme song written by Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee is used with permission. Special thanks to the Jim Henson Company and the entire Fraggle Rock family. For more from Tough Pigs, please find us at Tough Pigs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, TeePublic, and Patreon. Fraggle Talk Classic is produced by me, Beth Cook. This episode edited by Adam and myself. Thank you to Joe Hennis, the Tough Pigs Muppet Fan Podcast Executive Producer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Down, at Fraggle Talk.
2: Is that my, am I conjugating that properly? Fra- Fraggler.
0: Fragglier. Fra- Fragglier. Fra-glier. fraglier.
2: Ooh, I like Fragglier. Fragglier. It's the other uh, Muppet sequel to King Lear. it <laughs> wings blow. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll stop.